everybody. This is Chris and Rick Talk Guitars. I'm Rick. That is Chris. Hello. Hi, Chris. What, what do you got in your hot little hands there? What well, are you talking I, about? I had this crazy idea of what? having an episode where we talk about guitar and the album 2112 by Rush. Oh, my gosh. Which was, uh, as a kid, it was a very influential guitar record for me. And Me too. Just recently... I got some wild hair on my ass <laughs> about um, about learning this side one of this record. Oh my gosh! Like, if for real. I mean, I, as a kid, I kind of hacked my way through it. Right. But what happened was, as a video for Rush, as you know, recently, I think it was around the time that they made that documentary, which is a great which documentary. I love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that shows them sitting in you know in their various at their instruments and playing overture and you can see, actually see what they're doing for the first time oh so i'm God. like oh he's playing it there so i got this wild hair that i was going to try to learn it like that i think that's time well spent and i did and that brought me down a whole other rabbit hole of this record and going back and listening to it and checking out the wikipedia page and there's so many cool guitar related things with this record even if you don't like this record well i love this record so well, yeah but so that's how, why I got this idea. I figured we'll try it. Okay. If, if it's not interesting, we'll just shit can it. But I'm if, down. If not, um, let me start by, um, you, I have the record here in my hand. I see that. Rick, tell me about your introduction to this record as a guitar player. Okay. I will tell you. Uh, so my introduction to that uh, album actually came through All the World's a Stage, which was their live album. We're geeking out here on Rush. So anyway, that's the first album I got from Rush was the live one, All the World's Stage. And then, you know, they, they played like side one of 2112, of course, in that concert. And then I had to get the album 2112. And that's how I got into that album. How about you? Kind of the same same way. Someone t- made a tape of me, a cassette tape of All the World's a Stage. Nice. And I think before I got 2112, I went out and, with my own money and I bought Fly By Night and then a Christmas rolled around, and I remember uh-huh. this was under the Christmas tree, twenty one twelve. That is cool. And so, yeah, it's great headphone record as a kid. Oh hell yes, you know, a great seed sorter. It's a, it's a gatefold. <laughs> seed sorter. So it, it's great for that. But um, and I and I by the time that I did get this record, I had been playing guitar for a couple of years. So right away, I got my turntable, my record out, and I set about trying to figure this you know the songs out on this to you know like varying nice. degrees of success in between cleaning homegrown right so, totally nice cool so that was my introduction to it and it's kind of interesting because there's some really great guitar sounds 70s guitar sounds on here there are and upon looking into this further i find out that you know you would think like if someone just asked you what amps do you think they use on this record and i'd go marshall you know high watt something like that a Fender Super Reverb and a Fender Twin Reverb were responsible for nearly all the tracks on this That's record. That's a trip, man. Because I, I thought the same damn thing. I thought, no, Marshalls, Les Pauls, big e- deal. Exactly. Preconceived notions. That's a good, it's a good place to point that out. Biases, Take, man. We get great things by people taking preconceived notions and throwing them right out the fucking window. <laughs> and and that, that was one of them. So, yeah, and his for guitars on this record... Um, Alex Lifeson, uh-huh. he had his like signature, uh, um, like it was with him since the early days. He had a Gibson ES three thirty five that was on here. Was a that lot. the Sunburst one that he played? It I believe the, it was because yeah, he had a white one later on. But that right, was like no, Feral the Kings was, and shit. Yeah, yeah, that was the eighties. I mean, I think he, during this period it was the Sunburst. 
He nice. also had a Les Paul that he busted out for this record that he did a lot of the solos and on. And I dug he, that. Uh, it's a sunburst, too, like a tobacco or a honey, or not pro, honey burst. Maybe. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think you can see is. it on All the Worlds of Stage. But it's yeah, cool, though, yeah. It was in Les Paul. I like it. And um, and one thing that's really interesting is is the um, you know that there's a there's a song on the first side mm-hmm. called um, Discovery, right. where he's like in some space waterfall, um, <laughs> in a space cave behind a space waterfall, well, of course. And he finds a guitar and he picks it up and he kind of tunes the thing and he starts playing it. That was a Stratocaster that he borrowed. He didn't See, own it. Yeah, and you told me that, and I again like I I just had such a numb nutted approach to what he was playing i didn't know but that's i think that's cool that he used this weird gear that i well not weird gear but gear that i wouldn't have thought that he used on this album preconceived notions yes and throw them out the fucking window so um and he also one of my favorite things on this and the earlier records Uh is i love his phase shifter sound yeah i mean that for me me Like, I love phase shifters. I own, like, a few of them, but and I never use them. It's just something I take around with, <laughs> around the house, but I love it. And that's this tone that I'm always looking for, his kind of phase shifter sound. And that was one of those maestro... I don't know the model. I'm not going to know the model name. Not, Come but on. It was one of those big ones with the organ knobs on it, or oh, the right, organ, right, organ right. switches. Yeah. So that's what he used, and it's, it, it sounds really incredible. And his playing is just, you know... Is just killer. He's got like I mentioned that I've been trying to learn, you know, you the have. songs on here, and I have, but I haven't even gone anywhere near the solos. Yeah, it's like I can't. I mean, he's got a, he's from outer space. <laughs> well, very he's in fitting. space during yeah. this. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's got a very vocal sounding. He does bends in places that are so cool and, and unconventional. He does. But the story of this, let's talk about the story. Oh of yeah, this, we this have to. <laughs> See, one of the reasons I love this record. And I have loved it my entire life. As a kid, uh-huh. this is the Rush and especially like the subject matter for these early records for, you know, like a bored, stoned, you know, teenage Midwestern kid. teenage kid is perfect. But um, sitting down with this record and the kind of questions that came up was, you know, I just touched upon one now. We mentioned the song called Discovery, where he yeah. finds this guitar. Yep. One thing that's kind of interesting is when he picks this guitar up in this space cave behind the space waterfall. <laughs> yeah. Is it's it's out of tune, but it's not that out of tune. No. It's like, I go out of tune more between sound check and the first song than that guitar was that had been there for centuries. Well, yeah, well, because the planet he was on had the right atmosphere, so the guitar didn't go out of tune so much, right? All right. The, yeah, it, there was the humidity on that planet is pretty tight. So and the the city of Megadon. That's another question: is what was he doing? He lives in Megadon. Uh-huh. That's the name of the city that okay. he lives in. Megadon, and it's ruled by the the priests of yeah. the temples of Syrinx. Totally. So what's he doing hanging out in a space cave? Was it like there's not... He was just kind of bored with the city yeah, life? I, I think so. I think he was just trying to get stoned and uh, have a little me time in okay. the space cave. Yeah. Away from the... Well, it was very oppressive in the city, as you know, reading the, the deep lyrics in this album. Uh, the priests wanted to do away with everything. You know, the songs you sing, the, the pictures that give pleasure to your eye, <laughs> all that stuff. So, I mean, come on. You know, you got to get away to the cave every now and then. You I know? guess. Yeah. And so... So he's behind this cave and he uh-huh. finds a Stratocaster. It's like, you know, and he picks it up and it's not that far out of tune and he puts it into tune. Yeah. And he starts playing this beautiful little piece, Discovery. Yeah. And he's like talking about like, he's really excited because he's going to go show this to the uh-huh. priests and they're just going to freak the fuck out and go, dude, we're making you king of Megadon. You found the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Right. Right around the corner. Which brings me to another point. <laughs> this record actually saved their career. 
Uh, if you watch the movie, you'll find that out. And that's good for them because they had a nice long career after this. And it was like kind of touch and go right. by the time this record that came is, out. Yeah, that's right. But that's this record right. should have won a Grammy for nothing else other than using the words don't annoy us further in a rock song. It's the first time you'll, and the last, that you'll ever hear that. So when the when the priest like clamped down on him, you know, man, you know, no individuality for you. Well, I mean, they had the professor writing all these lyrics, and uh, as we know, he was the professor. Uh, for people who don't know, tell oh, them about. I'm the sorry. Pro- so Neil Pert is the drummer for Rush. Well, the second drummer for Rush, or well, I don't know how many they had, but he was he's the prominent drummer for Rush, and he was the only guy in the band apparently that read books, and um, <laughs> so he got to write lyrics. Uh, to these songs, and they're you don't even have to read any of Ayn Rand's books because he captures every he captures her uh, essence in in most of his lyrics. Wouldn't you say, Chris? I would, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is this is really cool. It's pretty right deep. Here. Why don't you quote a little bit? I'm going to quote us. from the the liner notes. Yeah. Side one, twenty one twelve, lyrics by Neil Peart. I think that's how you say his name. <laughs> okay, got it. And here we go. Um, and the meek shall inherit the earth. I didn't know he wrote I th- that. <laughs> I think he stole that. That might you be plagiarism. So? Yeah. I'm surprised we haven't had like some sort of like right. high profile lawsuit. But... From, the, from the priests. Yeah. So um, let's let's circle back <laughs> okay. to guitar <laughs> and this record so we have a reason to even be Got talking it. about this. Got it. So yes. So the 335s. The Les Paul and the Stratocaster for the presentation. Cool. Um, Getty Lee has some amazing bass sounds as yeah. well as bass parts. Just from a standpoint of just like, you know, a, a classic piece of like 70s, like engineering and just totally. recording. It, it's brilliant. Yeah. I and I think so, too. And we... We love Rush, by the way, uh, but we also love to joke about them because they're silly and they know they're silly. And that's what's so awesome about them. And Chris was alluding to that documentary. I would highly recommend it because it's freaking cool to watch. And um, and it gives you insight that they they're not these serious dudes. They're just goofy Canadian silly people who know they're silly. But um yeah, I mean the sounds. The, as a, they're a three-piece band, and if you listen to them play and listen to this recording, it's amazing. Like Getty Lee gets great bass sounds. I think now I think he's playing Rickenbackers here and probably Ampegs or some crap. But you know, I, I should have paid more attention to that because yeah. I'm sure well, that he's was a bass it. player, so we don't care about right. him. Um, but <laughs> and Alex, like you say, I, I didn't know that until Chris told me this stuff. I didn't know that he was playing through these kinds of amps, and I just assumed it was Marshall's. You know, or high rocks, right. yeah, big rock and roll amps and stuff. But that's what's so cool. I mean, because uh, he still gets he gets great guitar sounds, and again, they they fit the song, they fit the parts of this silly story of you know space rock, David opera. and Goliath against the right. priests, against Alex Lifeson against the priests of no. the temples of Syrinx. But it, uh, it's brilliant. I still like. I I went out at some point and started collecting records again, vinyl records, and I collected all, including music that I really like. Listen to like now, like uh-huh. more you know more modern and other classic music. I I had to collect all. I have all the Rush records up to yeah. Signals. And as a kid, I kind of jumped off after. Um, I think it was what's the one with the the guy dancing on the brain? Oh, that's hemispheres. Hemispheres. Yeah, that was the last yeah, one yeah, I bought as a kid. On the brain. And then I went to other directions. I got more into like more hard rock, 
And um, I, I left them, but always had great respect. I mean, listen to that All the World's a Stage double oh, live record. And, and know that it's a three people doing that. Yeah. It's, it's pretty phenomenal. It's awesome. It and is. that's, yeah, that and that album was my introduction to Rush. And I, it's yours too, I guess. Um, and I was that, this, I had the same reaction. I'm like, this is a three piece band. And whether you, whether you like them or not, I, I just think there's something to respect about three people in a band making that kind of sound and that music. Um, cause, cause they were very thoughtful about the fact that they were a three piece and, right. and how to fill the space correctly yeah, and everything well, else. What am I doing with my feet? Exactly. <laughs> I'm doing, so I'm, I'm going to get some pedals. pedals yeah. Right. Totally. So I'm going to get every appendage working yeah, towards so, this thing. It's like spinning plates and juggling and stuff like that. But, uh, uh, but no, and, and, and I guess that's where I, my preconceived notion came about because I saw that that the cover of that album, right, where he's right. got the Marshall stacks and all this stuff. Oh, I just assumed that's what you play in the studio, but no. And as we know, and and I've found that out about other artists too. Whether I, I think Shanker, we talked about, like oh. he he recorded with some funky amps, right? And it, he got these big, huge guitar sounds, but it's like it's not a Marshall or high watt. It's like a pig nose or some yeah. weird thing. But and same with Alex, he was playing some amps that I didn't, I would never have. Right, guessed, the super. He's playing, he's playing the blues amp. The super reverb. Like you can't do that. No. That's a blues amp. <laughs> hey Alex, do you know that's a blues amp? <laughs> no, know, I don't to, care. You have to dial I don't know it back. Why he's southern. He's not southern. He's yeah. Canadian. So well, whenever you start like, talking, oh yeah, hey, oh I know it's a blues amp, eh? but I'm gonna use it for uh, this rock and roll stuff, eh? <laughs> No, it's pre- again preconceived notions. I know. It's like throw them out the window, I'm and that's you. how everything gets everything cool well, gets look, invented. I'm mean, just to digress a little bit. To look at the back of that cover. Okay, how can you not love that? The They're kimono. wearing kimonos. <laughs> kimono, no, you don't. We're not gonna, whose idea was that? Okay, they laugh about that. If you watch the movie, they, they, they laugh, they'll laugh about, about the their fashion choices. <laughs> They're just. Uh, they, I want to hang with these guys. Totally. I mean, they, I mean, I mean when I was a fifteen-year-old or sixteen-year-old kid, I thought, man, that's cool. I yeah. want to get a kimono. I didn't even know what a kimono was, but I wanted one. I just thought it was like intellectual music. It's oh, totally. Like, yeah, well, I mean, the pro- again, the professor <laughs> right. on the drum kit. Totally. This is like way deep, like intellectual, like expansion of my mind by listening to this music. And then you read a book, and you're like, you know what? <laughs> it's kind of like Doctor Seuss, <laughs> exactly. A little bit. He that's, wasn't such a. Prof- he, I don't. I want to question his credentials you know what as a professor but well also we talked about the the cadence of the lyrics right because oh, and i always wondered because this shit is written by a drummer right and that's what i was gonna say yeah it's very much on the beat the, the yeah the phrasing is very drummer like yeah. but yeah. i heard i read something about um because recently i went down this huge like rush um, this what do you call it the rabbit hole I love it and um, I, I heard about the process the writing process that in I don't know when it was at this stage but now mm-hmm. it's like Neil will write lyrics and give them to Getty and he will um, kind of go over them he'll change he'll make changes and stuff and they'll work it out so I don't maybe then it was more like the drummer wrote this while he was hitting the kick pedal <laughs> and the snare on the two and the four so Although the two and the four probably didn't fit in very much on these songs. Yeah, because it's a, a sixteen, nine. A nine by sixteen, whatever the whatever. time signature is of this shit. Terrible with math. I just, I just love the music. Yes, exactly. So oh, yeah, um, great record. I like all of the early ones, and I you know, in a guitar. I mean, this is a guitar episode, yeah. so I mean, that's what drives me there. I mean, it inspires me to play guitar, and you know, you can take stuff that you learn on these records sounds and techniques and riffs and whatnot and you can bring them into you can put them in country music you can exactly. do whatever you want with them and that goes back to that unconventionalism of like doing something different and that's whenever i get stuck 
like I'm like I'm so sick of my playing. I pick up a guitar, I play the same thing. Yeah. It's like yawn, 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 yawn. I challenge myself. I could go find a record that you want. Um, there was an example not too long ago. I was listening to like the radio or something. There's some music on somewhere, and I was working. And the song by Badfinger, Baby Blue, came on, and I had to stop what I was doing. I'm like, I need to know how to play yeah. that riff. Yeah. And that's so cool when that does that, when, when that happens, because it just keeps you driving forward. And 2112, just recently, within the last month or two, it's totally like lit a fire under my ass. I know how to play. It's cool. Know, Overture, and I, I'm, I did this. I did the priests. I know how to play that. And nice. I, just, I cheated and jumped over to side two and learned um, Passage to Bangkok, <laughs> which is a really fun and really cool. It is a cool constructed song. and written song. Well, and I think it's cool because you got me back into this now, just because you you had mentioned you were getting into this rabbit hole and stuff. And Chris and I are both Rush fans from the early days and so he started to get me back into this album and i just was marveling at the guitar parts and everything else but just the whole thing both sides of the record right because the the other side is where we talk about like uh alex and getty got to write some songs right he's got one song and um it's just it's just it, it is fun and yeah it, i'm the same way like i get so bored of my playing too and then but the, the cool thing is, yeah, you put on a Rush record or something like that, and you listen to the way he Alex Lifeson plays, and you're going, damn, okay, if I can kind of get a little of that juice into my playing, then I, it'll make me think differently about how to play and then do some different things. And, and that's the fun part about it. And these records are great because Alex was putting a lot of thought into this these parts. It's not just simple rock and roll. No. And, and some people you know, don't dig it and it's not their cup of tea and that's totally cool. But Chris and I, I just love this crap. And from a guitar standpoint too, um, it challenges you and it cha it challenges you technically. And it also just challenges you in the way you think about how you're going to play and how you play and your style and everything else, like you say. So, right. I yeah, was just, cool. I was just very psyched when the movie came out, the, the documentary, because a, it was really good. And B, it suddenly made it okay. I mean, I've never, I've always liked Rush. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and it made it okay for you. I mean, they they finally got the props that they deserve for being like these guys. Like they're dedicated. They worked hard, and they came up with some really cool shit. Totally. And the time when they came up with this, it was perfect for the time. I mean. Oh yeah. Well, and I think um, we've always been fans, and it hasn't been fashionable a lot to be Rush fans. Um, but I think there were just a lot of closet Rush fans. Oh, honestly, yeah. Like that dug them, but were like, nah, fuck it. That's prog rock bullshit or weird. But then, like you say, as time went on and they became kind of a, a cool thing, more people were like, yeah, yeah, I, I was always into Rush. Or, that Limelight song is catchy. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. take, you know, I, I didn't necessarily go down a prog rock. And I don't, I have a hard time thinking of Rush as prog. Like, a Yes was something as a kid. I really tried to get into Yes, and it didn't really speak to me. I still appreciate them. They're great. The same thing. Same kind of, like, very, you know, technical yeah. ability and great, you know, musicianship. But Rush has hooks, and I'm a yeah. sucker for hooks yeah. in any style of music I, I have. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, because they really know how to hook you with their melody and well, the way they play. Well, that first album is a great rock and roll oh, album. Yeah. It's silly. I love that record. I do, too, but, it's, it, but there's some great 
guitar riffs in that album. I right. mean, classic. I mean, totally. They were borrowing pretty liberally from Led Zeppelin, but oh, they were yeah. at least who was it? You know, who was no. playing loud rock then? But it so. was their own. But there was their own spin on it and stuff. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. But I, you know, they're classified as prog rock. But I, I think I see your point. I, I don't. I don't really consider them prog. I don't consider them the same as Yes, right. at all. But um, they're definitely. It's not main you know it's not just basic rock and roll there's something else there you know there's that canadian back bacon shit in there right and the silliness that comes (laughs) along with like you know starting with um i guess it started with fly by night where you started having the story songs and that went a little bit more off the the rails come on yeah and then (laughs) um what was the the net caress of steel which i I have (laughs) great fondness for i could do a whole guitar episode on that we have to do that because didax and narpitz has to be talked totally Yeah, until you're blue in the face. No, this was this actually was good to talk about because I was kind of wondering how this was going to go to try to just I talk so about too, a record man. and tie it into. And I think it's timely too now because everybody loves Rush. Everybody loves Rush. Yeah, even I, yeah. Well, I won't say it, but no, I, I know a few people, and I, you know, a lot of people, you know, can't really deal with Geddy Lee's voice in this era because yeah. it, it was like kind of high and screechy. I, know. I love it. It's, I do too. It's great. It fits the music. It is the music to me now. You know, so I get that, but I'm not going to fault anybody for any type of music. I'm going to fault somebody saying, I, I really don't like this. I only listen to, you know, whatever. And that's totally cool. But I mean, as a guitar player, I, I think you pretty much like are, you know, born as a guitar player with appreciation for what goes on on this record. Totally. But, and and that's what we would recommend is just anybody that plays guitar. Maybe you're not into Rush or anything else, but listen to what Alex Lifeson's doing on this record and other records. And you got to give him props because he dedicated himself to the guitar. He took classical guitar lessons, like at, you know, in the throes of his career. It's not right. like it's not like he did it as a kid. Like he wanted to get more into like that guitar so he could apply it to these albums and stuff. So he was taking classical lessons as he was touring and doing all this other crap. And so he was a he was a dedicated guy to the guitar and playing it well and 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 experimenting with other sounds and styles and everything else. So yeah. I think it's it's a cool recommendation if if you're not really into Rush that much, not familiar with them, listen to these records, listen to them uh, from a guitar perspective, and and dig it and get into it. Yeah, just listen to the way he bends strings. That yeah. kind of like the way he like will bend in an unconventional place to yeah. get these kind of like crying, like just like weird, like you know, you know, moanful. <sighs> I don't I don't even know the word know. for it, but it's just like you, you you see what he's doing. You're going, oh, he's bending there instead yeah. of. You know, and you can apply that to your own music. You know, someplace where you would ordinarily just maybe fret the note. You know, start where you know in a, an unconventional place and bend up to it, and just yeah. make that vowelly kind of like sound that's all over this record. Yeah. And I still need to get one of those phasers. It's a it's a you maestro. Um, I know that there was a shop in town that they probably still have it because they're like three hundred bucks or <laughs> exactly. something. But that's that, but they are cool. Yeah, they're super cool. And I know exactly what you're talking about now because I have the picture in my mind of that phaser, and and it was the big phaser to have at that time too. Yeah, yeah. it barely fits in the car. Exactly. It's huge. <laughs> you have to you have, have a, a, you have to have a Lincoln or a Cadillac, but yeah, you can't. Yeah, but it's that Cadillac. sound that I've always chased. I mean, <laughs> I've got a um. I've got the, uh, what is it, the um, Electro Harmonic Small Stone. I've got a Phase 45, and I've got an orange vintage um, Ibanez. Yeah. And none of them, I mean, some of them will get in the, in the ballpark, but none of them just nailed that syrupy, liquidy. Yeah, that's a cool get. one. 
That's yeah. definitely a cool. So one. let me ask you something on this record because I'm I've read some background and it's and it's really interesting to hear these guys talk about this record mm-hmm. and this story because when you hear them talk about it, you're like yeah I don't get that. <laughs> so what do you at the end of the song when um, the Solar Federation comes in and assumes control? What do you yeah. think happened? Uh, uh, I think the planet explodes and uh, and then lots of mini planets um, populate the galaxy. And um, lots of little prog rock bands start up on these planets. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I have no idea. Is there a prologue there or something? Or no, it's just like um, it's like I think he takes his own life. Oh man, uh, it gets um, heavy. Yeah, it it does get really heavy. And let's see, he has that Oracle, the dream, and then and then there, um, yeah, and then he just like wakes up from his dream and says, "This sucks." Oh, okay. Peace out, brothers. I'm <laughs> so going it's all to a dream. space heaven. It's either all a dream or something, or I don't know. There's some sort of like irony, I guess, because uh, he mentions him in here. I think um, the um, Neil Peart was a huge fan of Rod Serling, oh, who was way into irony. So I'm it. sure there's something ironic right. going on at the end of this song. So it was a dream. I, I can't remember what yeah. it is. I don't care what it's about. I don't Honestly, either. it's about it's about one side it's of about rock and roll rock guitar and is fucking what it roll. Is. Yeah, totally. What it is. God damn it. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I, you know, yeah, at the time, you know, a few lyrics would stand out. But yeah, I was listening to the song as a whole or the album. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I never like unless it was Dylan or something like that, where you could where you could really hear what the guy was saying or stuff like that. But rock and roll, man, just lyrics are I mean, they're great. And I I love lyrics, good lyrics and songs and stuff. But at the time, as you know, as a 15 year old stoner kid, you just you hear the the guitar and and the, the energy of the music being played and go god damn i want to do that you know that's cool like, i want to do that and i don't like the priest i'm on the guys you're I'm, damn right i'm on the dude that finds Individual. the guitar side yeah. man let's fuck those priests man we all have to deal with our own priests of the temples of syria kept down by the priests man yeah priests suck for so, many reasons but well, so yeah. this was the record for you know the little guy dude. going up against the big guy yeah david and, and goliath yeah Exactly. All in space. Right. Space David. Space, David. And space, space and David. Goliath. Remember Davy and Goliath? I do. Hey, Davy. So the, this is like the updated version <laughs> in space <laughs> where he finds the strat in the cave that's almost in tune. I love that. I love that you mentioned that because... Well, it's true, and I thought about maybe that. Maybe it had locking tuners at the time. I don't know. It could. Space lockers. Space lockers. We call them. <laughs> Totally. Robo tuners, yeah. At yeah, because it's it's really not that far out of tune. No, you know, it's he didn't spend a lot of time tuning it. Dust, yeah, like from a thousand dead right. planets, and the strings are in, still in good shape. Right. right. Yeah, they're probably. Um, I don't know. Elixirs. Yeah, I think probably <laughs> I think they were so. coated. By, I think so too. Phosphorus, it would have to be <laughs> phosphor bronze coated. Yeah, because <laughs> it sounds really bell like when he plays. Yeah, right? like so. a bell. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I do. This was a great idea to talk about this album because I, like you, uh, I was a Rush fan and I played guitar and I spent many a hour on the turntable trying to slow that shit down and figure out what the hell he was doing. And yeah, just hacking my way through it. But it is nice to see. I, I'm the same way. It's nice to see where these dudes play it on the net because I'm a, just a geek for that shit. I want to yep. know. I want to play it where they play it. You know, I don't want to play it where I and I always made it difficult on myself. I always played shit harder than it. You know, I'd look at the somebody playing it and go, "Oh, that's oh, they're doing it so easy." <laughs> like, why was I trying to make he, it so hard on myself? Yeah. Right. Anyway, exactly. I'm just a dummy. All right. Well, I think that was a great little oh mini mini episode, Dude. and this might be something we want to file away. Maybe we could talk about a record 
in the context of like guitar well, that's being a great a guitar idea player? actually because so, i've got some it's come some came to mind as you were saying that all right i didn't want to interrupt you but well yeah, this will I be did, the, i think anyway the trial run we'll see yeah, that, that the prototype the, the proto the prototype totally <laughs> Well, Chris, um, unless you have something else to do, I mean, let's get the hell out of here. No, just um, thank thanks to the band for making this record thank and giving me so much joy in my life. Thank you, Neil Peart, Alex Lifeson, and Getty Lee. We love you. We love your kimonos. Maybe some. Maybe maybe we can get them on the show. That would be great. Fuck, that would be so cool. A call in. I mean, Neil Peart won't come on the show because he doesn't like people. But no. we don't like people no. either. I mean, but I bet you Getty and I bet you Alex would do it because he's a goofy guy and he's unpredictable. You know, it's, check your phone. Call he, might be he might be calling me right now. <laughs> he's texting right, me. We should go now. We should All go right, talk to let's Alex. Do it. All, All right. right, bye. Goodbye. <laughs>